and praise he's worthy
Let's give him a hand clap this morning. He's worthy of our praise. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, we sang a song in the 90s, and it's from Psalm, 90, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you. And we might even have a picture of, the, of a deer, you know, by the water drinking, but that's not the real picture of the deer. It says, as the deer pants. That means he's running away from his enemy. I mean, his tongue's hanging out. Uh, he could be in the wilderness looking for some water. And I'm telling you, there could be people here today that you might feel like that. Like, where's God? I've been going through this, and I'm just thirsty for God. I'm telling you, there's an opportunity here the Holy Spirit does not want you to miss out on. It's called corporate worship. When we worship together, the atmosphere can change. It really can. God inhabits the praises of his people. And he wants to meet with some people today. But you have to just kind of close your eyes, tune everybody out, and just stretch out in faith and reach for them, whether it's lifting your hands or just opening your heart. But let's don't miss this opportunity. Amen? Because we're believing. And my wife felt this today. There were some people coming today, and it might not be this service, but be praying that they were kind of at the edge of their rope. Their lives are on the line. So let's pray and believe. When people walk in here, man, that spirit of faith will rise up, and they'll believe that God is for them, not against them. Amen? And that today could be their miracle day. Let's worship Him with spirit and truth. It seems like all I could see was the struggle. Wipe away every stain 
just sing this together this morning. He's wonderful, so powerful and merciful, amen. And you are wonderful and powerful and merciful is our God. Wonderful, powerful and merciful is our God. You are this morning. Give him some praise. He is. Amen.
you turn around to two or three people this morning and greet them in the house of the Lord. Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look is going to give you everything that you need to know about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide is going to give you plenty of opportunities for you to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. And if you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you. Drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll get a free gift bag. Don't forget about Saturday night meals and snacks in between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. And the coffee bar is always open. We are so glad you are here. And we hope that you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock. The journey of life can be difficult. Here at Church on the Rock, we want to help your journey by connecting you to God, friends, ministry, and the world. We offer four classes on Wednesday nights to help you stay on course in your walk with God. Our Connect class is for anyone new to the church or just wanting to get more involved. It is a four-week class to help you learn about the church, help you get connected to God, and learn about your spiritual gifts. The Spirit-Filled Life four-week class will teach you how real friendship with the Holy Spirit can change your life. The four-week freedom class is designed to help you resolve conflict, break bondages, and renew your mind. The leadership class will teach you principles of leadership that you can apply in ministry, business, or in your home. Also, there is a one-time New Believers class at 11.15 on Sundays, meeting in the office reception area. I just wanted to be happy. And nothing that I did, nothing that I bought, nothing that I, no person that I talked to, nothing was making me happy. And um, something was missing, and I just didn't know what it was. I was not in a very good place uh, before, before I got invited to Life Church. So the day before Easter 2011, my uh, son had my four-year-old grandson, Michael, call. And he said, Mama, will you go to church with me? And I called my son and I said, that was low. That was really low. Okay, four-year-old grandson asks you to do something, you do it. So it's amazing the timing that God has for you because that message hit home to me and changed my life. So. Why wouldn't I be excited about inviting people 
because someone invited me to church and it changed my life. And I want to be a part of changing other people's lives just like mine was changed. Well, amen. Anybody getting a little tired of the cold weather yet? I think somebody from Texas could go teach that a groundhog a lesson or something. But hey, in a few months, we'll all be complaining how hot it is, right? Hey, it is the first of the month, and that's kind of a reminder. Our Connect class starts. That's a great time. If you've not gotten involved in the church, you're new to the church, you can come to that four-week class. You'll be able to learn about the church, learn about your spiritual gifts. A great way to find out about the church and get connected. You can stop by the Connect room to get more information on that. Pastor John and Linnell are in Little Rock this weekend. They're planning their son's wedding in June. But while they're gone, we're going to talk about them. <laughs> this year uh, is their 25th anniversary here at Church on the Rock. And they have poured their lives and their hearts into this church. And we just really want to bless them. You all got one of these cards. If you'll just write a note about how much you appreciate them, something special they've done in your lives, and give it to us. It's going to be a surprise, so don't give it to them. Give it to us in the Connect room, and we're going to gather them all together. And we're going to give them some time off. And if you'd like to bless them financially, that would be wonderful, too. Amen. You saw we got this event coming up, Invite a Friend Day, in just a couple weeks. These little bookmarks... Uh, did everybody get one? If you didn't get one in your bulletin, if you hold up your hand or ushers will bring you one, just hold up your hand because you want to get one of these. Start writing names of people and begin to pray for them, friends and family members that need Jesus, that need to come to the Lord. And this is going to be a special event this weekend, especially for the lost, especially for the unchurched, so a great chance to bring them there. We'll have an evangelist come come in that just really knows how to you know get a hold of people's hearts and explain the gospel. So be sure to fill those out, be praying for them, and then we'll have a time where we'll write names on the wall or bring these back. But right now, they're just a bookmark to pray for. That last Wednesday, you know, we all had the snow day, and we got hold of everybody to let them know we didn't have church. So if you did not get a text message or an email, be sure to fill out this card. It's in the chair back in front of you and drop it in the offering so we can get hold of you for events like that and everything else that's going on in our church. Amen. Well, we're continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. You know, there's a man by the name of John D. Rockefeller. Anybody heard of him? Well, he was the first known millionaire, the first one that we kind of actually can kind of, you know, write down and figure all that out, billionaire, as Larry corrected me. But at the age of 23, he was a millionaire at 23. And then by the time he was 50, he became a billionaire. Say billionaire. That just sounds, that sounds good. But every decision, every attitude, every relationship he had was based on him gaining more power and more wealth. But three years after that, at age 53, he became seriously ill to the point where his body was racked with pain. He lost most of his hair. And this guy that had all the money to buy anything could only eat milk and crackers is all he could eat. And here's what an associate wrote. He could not sleep. He would not smile. Nothing in his life meant anything to him. His personal, highly skilled physicians predicted he would die within a year. The year passed agonizingly slow. As he approached death, he awoke one morning with a vague remembrance of a dream. He could barely recall the dream, but knew it had something to do with him not being able to take any of his success with him into the next world. So here we got a businessman that literally could control the economy, yet could not control his life at all. He was losing it. And so he was left with a choice. He called his attorneys, his lawyers, uh, you know, his managers, and he said that he wanted to start funneling his money into hospitals, research, and missions. And that's where they established his foundation. So this new direction led to the discovery, listen to these things, the discovery of penicillin, cures for uh, different strains of malaria, tuberculosis, diphtheria, and a bunch of other discoveries based on that one choice he made. 
And the interesting thing is after he made that choice to begin to put some back, that's the point his body chemistry actually began to change and his body ended up being healed. He lived to the age of 98 and he was supposed to die at 53. I'm telling you, you get hold of that principle of just kind of releasing things and being a giver, um, it can literally uh, you know, change your life as it did this guy's. But again, just want to thank God for a church that's a giving church. And a reminder, our youth are going to spring break, uh, which is always an encounter with God. So be praying for them. And they are short about $1,000. That represents about five students at 200 apiece. So if you'd like to bless them in any way, Mark Youth or Powerhouse. But let's just pray for this offering right now. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to give, to release, because you love so much that you gave, your only son. Help us to be givers. Help us to be somebody that can just funnel the finances into your kingdom. Lord, and you'll meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And we just ask you to bless each person here today in Jesus' name. Amen. praise this morning. Amen. God is good. Let's give it up for the worship team as well. Every week, just leading us into the presence of the Lord. Man, it's good to see you. Feeling good today? Hopefully you're feeling good. We're in the house of the Lord, and it's just great to be here with you today. My name is Travis. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here at Church on the Rock. Been here almost nine years, and just a blessing to be here and be able to speak today. Um, as you heard, Pastor John is out of town with the family doing a little wedding planning. So be praying for them that they just have a, a great time. They get refreshed and they make some memories. Amen. Um, how many people in here were excited that we got a few days of snow? Yeah, a few of you. Any students in here like happy you got some snow? 
that you got out of school, come on. I love some snow for, for about two days. Anybody else? About two days of snow. We have that picture up here. We got a picture. I see myself and a cross. And then my kid. There we go. That's my kid. That was our snow day. Uh, he was happy uh, because he was in the snow. But for about an hour before, he was at the door crying to go out in the snow. And then he only really wanted to stay out there for like one minute. You know what I mean? So anyways, uh, we had a great day in the snow. How many people know that like a snow day, it's like, it's like an unexpected day? You know what I mean? Like you're going through your normal routine, work, school, your life. And then all of a sudden, like a snow day, if it comes and you get out of school or you get out of work or you get out of work early, it's almost like a reset. You know what I mean? Like you got your normal things happening. And then all of a sudden you start hearing about the snow and then you get out of school and it's like you, you stole a day. Does that make sense? Or like you wasted a day because you watched TV all day. Either way, but you kind of got out of the routine for a little bit. Um, Texarkana, when it snows, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing, okay? Um, how many people know in Texarkana, when you even think it's going to snow, um, people like prepare for doomsday? You know what I mean? Like I showed up at Super One and like there was no bread in the whole bread aisle. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it must be about to snow. You know what I mean? Uh, texture can is just different. You, you start thinking about snow and people start talking about it. Then everybody's like checking their phone every 10 minutes, the weather report. They're checking TV. Is the snow actually going to hit? Is it going to miss us? Oh my gosh, it's in Dallas right now. And then uh, when we realize that it probably is going to hit us, like I said, you run to Walmart, you run to Super One Albertsons, and you start getting batteries, you start getting bread and eggs. Uh, Whitney and I, we go to Netflix or we go to the Red Box and make sure that, you know, we, we're stocked up on like a few DVDs. But when the snow actually hits, uh, especially here, you know that Texture Can of Weather is kind of crazy sometimes. So, you know, it could be 70 degrees the next day. Are you following me? So you have to run outside. You got to take like a picture with your family in front of your house with the snow on your house because it looks good. You know, you got to get out there, maybe build a snowman, throw a snowball because you know it could leave. Um, a snow day is just to me, like I said, it's like a reset. You get to press pause. You get to hang out with the kids. It's like almost a refreshing uh, to me anyways. Maybe some of you in here, you're like, man, my kids were at home for three days. That's not refreshing at all. Got to send them to school, right? Well, that's kind of the lines of what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, I don't want to talk about a snow day, but what I want to talk about a reset. I want to talk about a spiritual reset. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes in our life, we can get so busy, we can get uh, so consumed with obligations and work and our family and school and all these things. And sometimes our walk with God can be put on the, on the, the back track. It can be put uh, to the side, you know? Sometimes our spiritual life, we can just kind of push it to the side and just keep doing what we do. Uh, sometimes without even really knowing it, our walk with God, it can grow cold. We can neglect praying sometimes. We can neglect reading our Bible. We can neglect uh, our word. We can neglect our relationship with God. And sometimes we can get in this habit of just going through the motions. Yeah, we love God. We, we still go to church. But sometimes we can get so consumed with other things that we get to a place where we know we're not as passionate for God and the things of God as we used to be. 
Friend, if that's you today, and we can all get in this place sometimes where we're just in a rut almost, we're going through the motions, it's rainy outside, and we look at our spiritual life and we say, you know, it's not what it used to be. It's not what it could be. Man, if that's you, today's a day of a reset. Today's the day God wants to say, you know what? It's time to get back on track. It's time to think about things that are important. It's time to reprioritize some things in our life. Maybe right now, uh, where you are, you have more passion for your favorite hobby or your favorite TV show than the things of God. Uh, maybe you're in here and, and a small sin has come into your life and it's pulled you away from God. Either way, today is a day of change. Today is a day that God wants to reset some things in our life. Look, life is too short to just go through the motions, amen? Life is too short to just to live and breathe and just kind of almost be a zombie throughout the day. God wants us to be passionate. God wants us to live a life of purpose. God wants us to live a life uh, of overcoming and just being uh, excited about our life. God doesn't want our Christian walk and our relationship with him to run dry. And I feel like a lot of times it can become this way and we need to stop things and say, hey, my life is not where it needs to be. My walk with God is not where it should be. And it's time for a reset. Amen. Amen. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 2, verse 1. While you're turning there, look at your neighbor and say, it's time to reset. Time to reset. John chapter 2, verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It's my favorite. And I get to preach this morning. So that's what we're going to read from. All right. Are you there? Okay, here we go. John chapter two, verse one. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, Jesus's mother said to him, they don't have any wine. Jesus said to her, how does this concern us woman? My hour has not yet come. His mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Verse six, now standing there were six stone water jars used for the Jewish rites of purification, each one holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the man in charge of the banquet. So they took it. When the man in charge of the banquet tasted the water that had become wine without knowing where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water they knew, he called for the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the best wine first and the cheap kind of wine when people are drunk. But you have kept the best wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Let's pray for a second. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are here, that you're present. Uh, Lord, today, all of us in here, we love you, but we need you. Lord, some of us in here that are just uh, maybe going through the motions, maybe our spiritual life isn't where it used to be or where it should be. God, would you help us this morning? Would you give us a reset? Lord, would you help us prioritize some things in our life? Would you give us just a, a heart of obedience to do what you want us to do? God, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Uh, I want to start off by asking a question. The question is this, are you running low? Are you running low? See, Jesus is at this wedding. He shows up and they're running low on some wine. Okay. And Jesus being Jesus, you heard the story, he turns the water into wine. Maybe you're in here today and you're running a little bit low. Maybe you're running low on some faith. Maybe you're running low on peace. Maybe you're running low on joy. Maybe you're running a little low on some forgiveness, whatever it is. Like I said earlier, God wants to help some people out today. Maybe get out of a rut. 
maybe get out of kind of a spiritual plateau that you've been in. God wants to help us all be the people that he's called us to be. And what I want to do this morning for the next few minutes is I want to break this story down that we just read. And we're going to look at four things that will help us reset our spiritual life. Like I said, sometimes we just need to reset. Sometimes we just need to wipe the slate clean and say, you know what, I'm going to go in a different direction. You know, sometimes in my life, I'll find that I'm not happy with something or I'm not uh, in a good place, but I continue to go in that direction and do those things. Sometimes you just have to stop and say, you know what, I need to go in another direction. Maybe my life has become so consumed with X, Y, and Z. Maybe I need to stop for a second and say, is this beneficial? Is this uh, beneficial of uh, bearing fruit? Is this going to help me in my relationship with God, my marriage, my family, and all those things? So today we're going to look at four points. Um, There's something incredibly moving and inspiring about this story. First of all, we see in this story that Jesus is at a wedding. And kind of weddings are different in our culture than they are in the Middle Eastern culture. But especially back then in Bible days, a wedding was a celebration. Sometimes for a whole week, people would celebrate. They would get together. They would have a good time. Um, I think a lot of times we get a misconception of who Jesus is. We think Jesus just wants to like ruin our day. We think Jesus just wants to put like some salt in our frosted flakes. Okay, Jesus is at the wedding and he's having a good time. Jesus is celebrating with the people that are there. Like I said, I I feel like a lot of times we have misconceptions about Jesus. Jesus isn't trying to make our life worse. Jesus is trying to make our life better. Amen. Sometimes we get this idea that I'm a Christian and Jesus is just up there and he's like cracking a whip. No, don't do this. This is wrong. This is terrible. You got to do this. And I see a lot of Christians walking around and with this almost woe is me mentality. I'm a Christian. I can't go to the bar anymore. Uh, I'm a Christian. I can't cuss anymore. Uh, I know it stinks. Uh, I can't watch these shows anymore. I'm a Christian. Uh, And then we get this mindset that Jesus wants to mess our life up. Friend, Jesus came to give us a better life. Okay. Throughout the scripture, Jesus is coming to bring life and bring fullness. And another misconception that I think we have about Jesus, uh, Jesus just wants to make my life better. He wants to make bad people good. No, Jesus wants to make dead people alive. Right. Uh, Right now, our kid, you saw him up there. um, He's been the last few months. He's been like biting stuff biting my shoulder, biting the kid in the nursery. And, uh, you know, because, you know, we believe in discipline. When we see him bite something, we give him a spanking. All right. Is that okay? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know how you discipline your kids, Larry, but, uh, you know, we spank at our house, right? (laughs) I got that from Larry. Larry said, beat your kids. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, he doesn't beat his kids. Anyways, Uh, so our kid, when he does something bad, we're trying to correct him. We're trying to modify that behavior because if you're biting people at 20 years old, you're not going to have friends. You're not going to get married. You're not going to, you know, be a productive person in society. So we're trying to correct it, man. Jesus isn't trying to correct our behavior. Okay. He's not like your fourth grade teacher telling you to spit the gum out. Jesus came to bring us life. Amen. So that's some misconceptions. But anyway, they're at a wedding. Most theologians believe that Mary is related to the family that's throwing the wedding. That's why she's stepping in. She's trying to get Jesus to take care of the wine situation. So anyways, they're out of wine and being out of wine at a wedding, especially back in the day, man, that was a big deal. 
I mean, that was a huge problem. Uh, it would be like you're throwing your kid a, a birthday party and they're like eight years old and you got like 20 little eight-year-olds running around the house and you run out of cake and ice cream. Like that's going to be a problem. You know what I'm saying? Don't run out of cake and ice cream if you're throwing a birthday party. This is what happened. They ran out of wine. And so anyway, Jesus shows up and we know what happens. He turns the water into wine and he saves the day. And this is our first point this morning. You want to reset your spiritual life. You want to go to the next level in your walk with God. Maybe you want to get over that hump that you're at. Here's the first point. Make sure that you invite Jesus to the party. Make sure you invite Jesus to the party. How many people, when you were younger, you ever had a birthday party? You ever went to a birthday party? Heard of a birthday party? Okay. Uh, I, I can remember being young, maybe 10 years old, and uh, my mom and my dad decided they were going to let me have a birthday party. And I was really excited about it. Um, when I was a kid, especially going to school, when you have a summer birthday, it can be a drag. You know, all your friends got like, you know, February and March birthdays and November, and they get like, you know, recognition, and you have a July birthday, and you're like, this stinks, you know? So my parents were giving me a birthday party and I can remember maybe a week or two before this birthday party, I'm 10 years old. My mom's, we're kind of sitting down for a second and she's writing invitations for my birthday party because we want people to show up. And um, she gets to this one particular person that was on my baseball team. And I said, no, I don't want this person to come to my party. Okay, have you been there before? Like, I don't want this person to come. I don't like them. They're mean, whatever. And I said, I don't want them to come. And then I went off and did something. Well, a few weeks later, it's my birthday and people are showing up at my house and it's cool. And some people have presents and I know there's going to be cake. It's going to be amazing. And this one particular kid gets out of his mom's car and it's that kid that I didn't want to come to my birthday party. Okay, put yourself in my shoes. I'm 10 years old. This kid that I did not want to come comes. So what do I do? I run to my mom and I say, can you believe this dude showed up at our house? I mean, we didn't even invite him. And I can remember my mom saying, oh, I invited him and you need to be nice. And I'm like, ugh, okay. So being the good you know, kid that I, I was and the future pastor that I would be, um, I shunned the kid the whole time. I'm like, you shouldn't be here. I'm not gonna hang out with you, forget this. Here's the deal. After we had like, you know, a little cake and we didn't run out of cake, praise God. And we had like, you know, the birthday song. For me, it was present time. And man, I'll be honest, I got a few good presents. Some of my friends that were my best friends when I was 10, they brought me like lame presents. But at the very end, there's this one particular present I unwrapped and it was the greatest present like for a 10 year old of all time. It was like a video game, okay? It was like Nintendo video game. And I can remember being so excited. I think it was like Ninja Turtles or something. And I was super excited about it. this was the best game. Like one kid gave me like a slinky, you know, I'm like 10, like I don't want a slinky, you know? And so anyways, um, I, I didn't know for a minute who gave me this gift. Turns out, who do you think gave me the gift? The kid I didn't even want to be there. You know what I mean? And so for the next 30 minutes of the party, you know, I hung out with him and we were boys and everything was good. I want you to follow me here for a second. This was Jesus. I can guarantee you some people at this wedding did not want Jesus to be there. Maybe the bride, maybe the groom. Uh, I can guarantee there were some guests that did not want Jesus to be there. You may say, why would you not want Jesus to be there? I mean, we could ask the same question today. Why would people not want Jesus in their life? It was the same thing back then. But we see a different Jesus today, 2,000 years later, as Christians in a church, especially than we do back then before Jesus did any miracles. Let's look at Jesus. 
He's 30 years old. His mom got pregnant by the Holy Spirit, okay? Some people called him God. Can you follow me here? I guarantee you some people thought Jesus was just a little bit odd. He's a little bit different. I mean, Joseph is not his real dad. He's 30 years old and he's not married in this culture. That's kind of weird. And he has people following him around. I mean, I want you to think about it for a second. I guarantee you in a small town that Jesus was from, some people thought Jesus was a little different. All right. Mom, do we have to invite Jesus to the party? Mom, do we have to invite Jesus to this wedding? He's just a little different. But let me tell you, the greatest thing that those people did was invite Jesus to that wedding. Amen. The greatest thing that they did was invite Jesus to come. Because let me tell you, when Jesus comes, things get better. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he fixed the problem. And I wonder uh, this morning if there's anybody in this room that hasn't invited Jesus to the party. Number one, you've never invited Jesus to come into your heart. But secondly, you've never invited him really to other aspects of your life. Does Jesus have an invitation to the party that is your life? Because if he doesn't, if you don't have him in every aspect of your life, it's us that's missing out. You know, every one of us in this room, we have different ambitions. We have different goals. We have different dreams. We have different gifts and talents. But probably one thing is similar with all of us. We all want to do something extraordinary with our life. The problem is we live in a culture that basically doesn't want anything to do with God. And sometimes even as Christians, we can get so concerned about our own career and our own life and our own relationships that we go and we make decisions. We try to make things happen. We try to put all the pieces together. We do it all. And then we just want Jesus to bless it, right? I mean, God, I'm going to pick my relationships. God, I'm going to pick my career. God, I'm going to leave this job and start this job. God, I'm going to get out of relationship with this person, get in relationship with this person. I'm going to go to this school and I'm going to do this. And I haven't consulted you at all, God, about these decisions, but now I want you to bless what I've decided to do. Guys, that's not what Christianity is about. It's not adding a little Jesus to what we're already doing. When we said yes to Jesus, we said, Jesus, I want to exchange my life for the life you're going to give me. The, the Christian life is not just, God, I want you to sprinkle a little Jesus dust on my life to make it better. It's Jesus, I'm giving you my life and I trust you that you're going to do what you want to do with it. Guys, I'm telling you the most fulfilling thing in the world is allowing God to direct your steps. And some of us in here, we need to realize again that Jesus didn't come to reign on our parade. Jesus wants us happier and more fulfilled than we even want ourselves. He really does. Jesus has your career for you. Jesus has your relationships for you. We need to trust him. Amen. Um, we need to invite Jesus to the party. We need to invite him to our marriage. We need to invite him to our kids' relationship that we have with them. We need to invite him to the workplace. We need to invite him to school. We need to invite him to our bank account. Amen. When Jesus is at the party, things just get better. And I want you to think about it this morning. Is Jesus in every part of my life? Is he invited in? Or do I come on Sunday and I agree and, and I think everything's good that's said, but I still kind of do my own thing. Friend, Jesus makes things better. He's not going to make your life worse. Okay. So anyways, moving on. The next part I want us to look at is where Mary finds out that they run out of wine. She immediately tells Jesus to do something about this. I want to look at Mary just for a second. 
Um, let's think about weddings that we've been to. The weddings um, have a lot of things in common. Uh, first of all, two people get married, okay? Uh, there's normally cake. There's uh, people that are there watching the, the wedding. There's normally a best uh, man speech and all that. But another thing that's kind of common, at least a lot of weddings that I've been at, is you have some lady who's running around before the wedding, during the wedding, kind of like crazy, trying to get everything together. You know what I'm talking about? It's usually the wedding coordinator. It's the bride's mom. She's trying to make sure everything looks good. The flowers are good. The groomsmen are, are lined up right. The people are sitting in the right chairs. The, the music's going to be good. You know, the, the groomsmen aren't wearing like ankle socks or whatever. She's trying to make sure everything goes good. And when you look, read this story, you kind of almost feel like Mary may be kind of in the mix of making sure things are working out for this wedding. Um, and, and maybe you even get the perception that she's like freaking out about, we got to fix this, we got to do this. However, her asking Jesus to do something about the wine, I think has little to do about her hospitality skills or her being the wedding coordinator at this wedding. I want you to follow me here. You know, we talked about Jesus maybe being a little odd are perceived to be odd in the community that he grew up in. But let's think about his mama for a second. For 30 plus years, she's been telling people that her son was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She's been telling people that her son was God. I think for 30 years, Mary had been made fun of. I think for 30 years, she had been the punchline of a lot of jokes. Think about it for a second. We think that Mary's life was just super easy. I don't think it was. I think for 30 years and probably more than that, Mary got made fun of. I mean, she's married to Joseph, but Joseph ain't Jesus's dad. I mean, come on, think about it. 2000 years ago, we live in the South and we know what kind of tension goes on there. Think 2000 years ago in a place 100,000 times more conservative than here. Um, we know the story of the angel coming to Mary and saying, you are favored and, and God wants to give you a son. You're to call him Jesus and, and you're going, he's going to be the savior of the world. How many people think that that would be pretty cool? Any ladies in here think it would be cool to carry Jesus, to be the mother of Jesus? I mean, that would be pretty awesome. But how awesome would it be for years of your life to be called a liar, to be called crazy, to be called promiscuous? Listen, you realize when, Mary said yes to God. The world that she knew was gone. You know, Mary's life was probably tough for a few years. She uh, got made fun of. She got made fun of for becoming pregnant, you know, and people would think, oh, she's an adulterer. She's this or she gets around. And she got made fun of this for years. And, and she was innocent, right? She was virtuous. You know, God, he comforted her. You've got to know that he gave her peace. But you've also got to believe, follow me, at this wedding with hundreds of people there, I bet Mary is thinking, you know what? Maybe today's the day. For 30 years, people have been making fun of me. For 30 years, people have been, you know, making jokes about me and my son. But I'm telling you one day, he's gonna step into what he's supposed to do. And every one of you here, you're gonna see. I want you to think about it. I think Mary was getting super excited about the opportunity for Jesus to step into his earthly ministry. Think about it. I bet for 30 years, she's just kind of biting her lip. You know, make fun of me. Come on, keep making fun of my son. Come on, you're gonna see. He's gonna save the world. You're gonna see. Can you imagine Mary's excitement when Jesus did that miracle? Can you imagine just the pride inside of her? 30 years of vindication, just like that. Amen? Jesus brings vindication. 
the Bible says that God fights our battles for us. Here's the second point. If you want to reset your spiritual life, if you want to get passionate, again, the second point is offer your whole life. You want a spiritual reset? It's not time to just offer part of your life. It's time to offer your whole thing. Mary offered her whole life. Be it unto me, God, whatever you want me to do. When she said yes to the angel of the Lord that day, listen, Mary died. Her will died. Her plans died. Her future died. But guess what? God gave her better plans, a better future. And he'll do the same thing for us. When we offer our whole self to God, I'm telling you, he gives the best. It was worth it. Think about Mary. There were some hard years, but Jesus comes on the scene. He saves the world. She sees the miracle. She sees the lives changed. We're talking about her and giving her honor 2,000 years. I mean, that's amazing. Listen, have you offered your whole life to God? Because it's the greatest thing in the world. I feel like a lot of times, like I said, we just, we give God parts of our life. We give God compartments of our life. God wants the whole thing. God will make things better when we give him everything. Some of us in here, we hold back a little bit. Maybe uh, it's our kids. Maybe it's uh, at work. We, we, we're not really you know, sure what people think about us if we pray over our food or whatever. I'm telling you, offer your whole life. Say yes to Jesus. You know, Jesus has a plan and purpose for our life. And when we say yes, good things happen. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, the first point to recap was to invite Jesus to the party. The second point going with that was offer your whole life. The third point tonight, if you want to reset your spiritual life, it's kind of gotten a little off track. You need to serve. Maybe if like things, you're kind of plateaued, you're kind of in a holding tank, you feel just like, ah, uh, you know, serve. Your spiritual, if your spiritual life has become cold, we can serve. Verse nine says this, if you put it on the screen, it says, when the man in charge of the banquet tasted the water that had become wine without knowing where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water they knew, isn't it interesting that the only people that knew about the miracle that Jesus had just done is obviously Mary. It was the disciples. The Bible said that they began to believe then, but it was the servants. The servants knew, the bride and groom, they didn't know. The people that were attending the wedding, they didn't know. The servants saw what Jesus had been doing. Um, I think we need to ask ourselves a question this morning. First of all, are we servants? Do we serve? And second, do we serve in the house of God? If you've been in church for a long time, we know and we're familiar with this word serve. And I think without knowing it, sometimes when we hear the word serve, we get this connotation that just somebody wants us to do a task that's terrible. Okay. We need some people to serve and you think, oh my gosh, I got to change like a dirty diaper. Or we need some servants and you think, oh my gosh, I got to, you know, wipe a, a runny nose or uh, I got to go outside and greet people when it's 35 degrees outside in the rain. And, and by the way, can we give it up uh, this morning for our greeting team outside in the rain serving people? welcoming people. That's awesome. Listen, I'll be honest for years of my life. I had this whole servant thing and this whole serving thing, uh, messed up. I had a misconception. I grew up in a smaller church and I can remember my pastor from the, the pulpit saying, we need some bathroom servants. And I'm like, what? Forget that. I don't want to serve. <laughs> like you can take care of that. Listen, I think sometimes we get the connotation that serving is just some cheap labor or something I have to feel obligated to do. But no, serving is so vital to the Christian life. And if you're not serving, you're not doing one of the things that, that Jesus talked about. 
there's three reasons I think we need to serve. And I want you to grab this today if you don't grab anything else. Number one, I serve as a response to the goodness of God. I don't serve just because I'm obligated to serve. I serve as a response. Anybody in here, God's been good to you? I mean, come on. God's been good to you. He saved you, gave you the Holy Spirit. He loves you. He helped you in that time. In that time, we serve as a reflection and a response to how good God's been. God did so much for me. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to serve his people. Amen. The Bible says this in 1 John, if you love me, number one, you'll follow my commandments. Number two, you'll love your neighbor. You'll love other people. Serving is loving people. And, and when we love people, we show that we love God. The second reason I serve is pretty simple. It's because Jesus did. And how many people know I want to be like Jesus? I mean, we're supposed to be like Jesus, Christ-like. Jesus was a servant. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. Jesus literally just a, a day before he was to be crucified, he's on his knees washing the disciples' feet. Jesus was a servant. And I feel like a lot of times we get this mindset that, you know, I, I come to church and, and people are supposed to serve me or I live a lifestyle and people are supposed to serve me. No, we're supposed to serve other people. We're supposed to reach out to other people. Here's the third reason that we should serve. Listen, when we serve, we see Jesus a little bit better. I want you to follow me for a second. I used to have a misconception that when I served, I served because I wanted Jesus to see me better. Like if I served, if I was like helping a lady cross the street, if I was like opening a door, God would send a spotlight down on me. He would see me. I would get like a golden star. Things would be good. And you know, all that stuff. Listen, I don't serve so Jesus sees me. Jesus always sees me. Some of us, we need to realize that he always sees me, okay? I serve because when I serve, I see him a little bit better. I want you to think about the servants in the story. They're back there, they're serving, they're doing what they do. Jesus asked them to do something. They got to see the miracle. Listen, when you are closer to something, when you're around something, you see Jesus better. You know, when you uh, are outside greeting or you're, you're meeting with some kids or you're hanging out, you get to see what God is doing better, amen? I feel like a lot of times, you know, we think uh, almost even in the church, we have this entitlement system. I mean, really, you think about it, we pick different places because they can offer this for me. They can offer this for me. I'm going to go here. I'm not going to go here because, you know, they didn't have, you know, the particular program that my kid really wanted or they didn't have this. Listen, we're called to be servants. And I feel like a lot of times maybe our spiritual life gets out of whack because we do a lot of receiving, but we don't do a lot of giving. And I know it's the heart of this church and the heart of Pastor John that we would be a church of givers. The motivation for serving is I love him. I want to serve him. But as a byproduct, I see what he's doing. I see him more. And when I see him more, I get blessed. You get blessed because you serve, because you see God better, not because, you know, you're just, you, you caught God's attention. Listen, when you're closer to God, you see God more. And listen, God, God blesses those who look like him. Amen. Final, final thought on this. Do you serve in the house of God? Do you serve here in the church? Pastor Mike and I, we talked about this several months ago, just talking about serving in the culture of our church. How many spots available do we have for people in the church to serve? And the answer is, however many people are here, we have that many spots to serve. And I'm not just talking about things just within in the church. I'm talking about every one of us we're called to serve, our neighbor, our coworker. I mean, you, you can go minister anywhere. You know what I mean? We need to be deliberate about it. 
I mean, even in the church, there's kids, there's youth, there's, there's outreach that's going on. But look, we're called to carry the very image of God into the community. I'm telling you, if this group in here, if we would start serving, not to get recognition, not to get a gold star, but because Jesus did something for me and I want to give that love to other people so they can experience it, I'm telling you, our city would change. Your, your culture and your work would change. The culture in your school would change if we would just start serving people. I want to challenge you. Let's be a church that serves. Let's be a church that loves. Let's be a church that reaches out and not, it doesn't have to be program based. It's just, you know what? I see a need at my work. I see a need at the school and I'm going to step up and, and do what I can with my influence and my abilities. Can I get amen? Amen. amen. Here's the last point this morning. The band can go ahead and come up. I know some of y'all are like, come on, I got to get to those donuts. Give me about five more minutes. All right. Here's the last point tonight. You want to reset spiritually, man, your life is just, it's a little out of whack. You know, you need to reprioritize some things. Here's the last point. You've got to mix it up. After Jesus, his mom tells the servants what to do. Look what Jesus asked, verse six, and look what happens. It says, now standing there were six stone water jars used for the Jewish rites of purification, each one holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them up to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the man in charge of the banquet. Okay, for a minute, I want to look at these jars that Jesus is using. And I believe that this is a huge, significant part of the story. Um, I believe there's three things we can take away from this really fast. Number one, what I find interesting is that when the wine runs out, Jesus doesn't have them go get more wine pitchers. He has them go get water pitchers. And the question is, why? Why would he tell them to go get water pitchers? Um, there was a specific reason for Jesus to do this, to put the wine in something unusual. I mean, come on, you put wine in wine jars, you put water in water jars, you don't mix those up. If you've ever worked at a restaurant, you know you keep the drinks separate. I mean, that's common sense. So I think Jesus wanted to show the reader, which is us, that he can and he will use any available vessel. It doesn't matter what their past, it doesn't matter what they went through. The question is, are we available? Jesus saw a vessel that was empty. He saw that it was in the house and he said, you know what? I can use it. And the question for us this morning is this, are we a vessel and are we willing to be used by God? Because if you're willing to be used by God, God will use you. God can use you. Listen, the vessels that, that it talks about in the Bible, I mean, they weren't like particularly awesome vessels they weren't made of gold. They weren't like the coolest vessels. They weren't the best. And I'm telling you, you may not be the, the smartest or the best. I may not be the best speaker or the best looking, but I'm telling you, I'm a vessel and God can use me. God can use every single person in here. Are you available? Ask yourself this question. You know, maybe some of you in here, your life is just so busy. I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And I just don't really have time for God to use me. Friend, we need to make time for God to use us. We need to make ourselves available. What else is interesting about these water jars is that the purpose changed. They were water jars, but then they came jars of wine. Transformation occurred. They were water jars, now they're wine jars. Look, the Christian life is about transformation. When you got saved, listen, the reason you got saved is we weren't perfect, okay? Jesus had to save us. And after we get saved, there's this process of transformation, this process of sanctification that God is working on in our life. 
Some of us in here, we have this mindset, God is wanting to transform some things in our life. And we have this mindset of God, you know, I've been a water jug. I've always been a water jug. God, I have a past, I have all this. That may be true, but that's why Jesus came to transform us. Amen? Listen, we can't save ourselves and we can't transform ourselves. God wants to transform us. Some of us in here, we need to start saying yes to this transformation process. And look, transformation doesn't happen overnight. But some of you in here, you've been saved for 30 years. I mean, maybe it's time that you let God work on that cussing. I mean, come on. I mean, you've been saved for 20 years. Maybe we should let God transform what we watch on TV or what we listen to. Come on. Some of us, it's like, ah, you know, God's supposed to do it overnight. And some things he does. And then some of us, we have this over-representation of grace that we think, ah, God's cool with me doing this. That's why he saved me. No, he saved me because you needed to be saved. And I needed to be saved. How do we work this process of transformation out? We start reading the Bible. First of all, we get saved. We read, we pray. We say yes to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you. It will guide you. you. A cuss word comes out of your mouth. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, you know, when you're wanting to watch something on TV, you hear the Holy Spirit. And it's like, flip the channel. Transformation happens when you flip the channel. You begin to change your mind. When you change your mind, your actions change. Listen, we worry too much about what we look like on the outside. Jesus wants us to transform on the inside. When you transform on the inside, transformation will happen on the outside. Amen. Here's the last part of this. So moving along, the water jugs. Uh, The water jars that Jesus used were used in the Jewish rites of purification. The water that would be put in these jars were used for religious ceremonies according to Levitical law. The reason that these water jars are empty in the first place is there's a wedding and they've used these jars to ceremonially wash before they come into this ceremony. So Jesus takes these water jars for the rites of purification and he puts wine in them. And this is also to show something so significant. If you really study this out, what's happening is Jesus is laying the foundation for a new covenant. Matthew 9, 17 says this, neither is new wine put in old wine skins. If it is, the skins burst and wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put in fresh wine skins, so both are preserved. See, when Jesus comes on the scene, this old covenant or the laws, it's better stated, has been around for about 1500 years. The law was given by God to Moses, to the Israelites, for everybody that would follow God until Jesus came so that they would know what sin was. How can you not sin if sin is not defined? So God defined sin and said, I don't want you to sin. The law was based on a consequence reward system. If you broke uh, the law, then there was consequences. If you obeyed the law, then you pleased God. But if you've read the law, if you've read the Old Testament, you realize for 1,500 years, nobody could pass the test. Nobody could fulfill the law, not one person. And it was basically to show that nobody could get to God. Nobody is good enough to get to God on our own merit. We cannot get to God. What else we see in the Old Testament is this, when you break the law, if you sin, there had to be an atonement for that sin. Why? Because God is holy and God cannot be around sin. So an animal had to be sacrificed. Listen, but the animal's blood did not take away sin. The animal's blood only covered sin. The problem was sin was still there. Are you following me? And it was God's purpose not to just cover sin, but it was to take away sin. So when Jesus came to die on the cross, he didn't die for sin. He died as sin to take away sin. 
When Jesus comes to John the Baptist to get baptized, what does John say? Behold the Lamb of God who comes to what? Take away the sin of mankind. Jesus came not to just cover it, he came to take it away. Friend, that's good news. That's really good news. Romans 6, 14 said this, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but under grace. The great news is Jesus came to give us grace. And here's the deal, this whole story about Jesus turning the water into wine, Jesus didn't come to just bring some people some wine. Jesus came to bring some people some grace. Are you following me here? Jesus came to bring grace. And look, that's what today's all about. It's about God's grace. God sees every single person here and there's grace for a reset. If you've been away from God, if your spiritual walk has plateaued, if it's just hit a dead end, I'm telling you, there's grace for a reset. Listen, if you're running low today on love, on joy, on faith, God's grace is here. I want you to stay on your feet this morning. I wanna pray for some people. See, when Jesus showed up at this wedding, they were running low, but when he left, they were full. Amen? God wants us to be full. God wants to help us. If you're in this place today and you say, man, you've been preaching to me, I, I need a little reset in my life in some areas. I want you to raise your hand. I'm raising mine, both of them. Got two hands. Let me pray for you. Lord, you see us today. You know our hearts. God, I pray that you would come and, and reset some things in our life. Jesus, thank you for bringing grace. Lord, I pray first of all that we would allow you into every area of our life. We would invite you to the party. Lord, that you would put it on our hearts to serve. But God, even right now, if we have some priorities that are out of whack, would you align them? And God, would you help us focus in on you? Would you refocus some things in our life? God, would you give us a passion again to serve you, to love you, to worship you, and to love and help people? God, I pray for my friends this morning that you would bless them, that you would help them, and I pray for grace for a reset in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Listen, I want my prayer team to go ahead and come to the front. This is our opportunity, this last song to worship God. It's our opportunity to maybe to respond to the message. It's also an opportunity anytime you need prayer for anything. That's why we're here to pray for you. Final question is this. The first point we talk about inviting Jesus to the party. Have you invited Jesus to the party? What I mean is, have you invited Jesus into your life? I'm telling you, if you've never invited him in, it's the greatest thing in the world. Jesus died for us so we could have relationships, so we could have a reset from our life, so we could have eternity with him. Listen, if you're in here this morning, you've never said yes to Jesus. He loves you so much. But the Bible says that we have to repent of our sins and we have to invite him in. Listen, if you've never done that before, today's your day. March 1st, you can say yes to Jesus. Anybody in here, you say, I wanna say yes to Jesus. Anybody in here? Amen, God bless. Pastor Nick, let's go back into a time of worship. The altars are open. Listen, for the next minute or two, let's worship God. Let's thank him, amen.